0: Well, good morning. Before we get into the sermon, I just want to say thank you. Uh, Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your trust. I want to say thank you to Pastor Brandon, Pastor Drew Dodds, and all the elders who have trusted us to be part of your family. Um, We are so thankful, yes, we are so thankful that we are um, starting Sojourn Spring Branch, and we just want to um, uh, say thank you. We, we are looking forward to praying with you tomorrow and uh, just joining everything that's happening with Sojourn. It was a few years ago that I was in a church where Sojourn was started, um, and I was just a guest. I was um, hearing about the vision of this new church in the Heights, so I drove by and sat in the first service and uh, the first gathering and got to know a little bit about uh, what Sojourn was doing. And throughout the years, from a distance, from the faraway land of Spring Branch, right right across the loop, um, I would see what was going on in the Heights and in Montrose. And um, in starting this new church, um, coming up with DNA and culture, I always looked to, sprint, uh, to uh, Sojourn as a model. And uh, by the grace of God, it, this, is, this is like me wearing my favorite Uh, team jersey right now, getting to sit at the table. And, you know, Pastor Brandon always tells me, uh, you could contribute. I said, no, I'm fine, just sitting here listening to y'all from y'all's experience. And and what a blessing that is. Uh, If you don't know, there are pastors, there is a staff here who cares for you deeply. They love you well. They pray for you. Um, it is amazing to uh, sit with them and just hear them say names that I don't even know yet, um, just praying for you. So um, what a blessing uh, that is. Amen? Um, now, we have Romans 5. Uh, I was going to say a few more things about myself, but it's all right. You probably, you know, don't care or don't need to know. Um, we have a text to preach, and I have a lot of notes, and we have a second gathering coming, so I don't know how that's going to work out. Um, but, but, you know, in, 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 <laughs> so let's, let's, let's dig in. Uh, let's dig in. Sometimes I put uh, a sermon titles to a sermon I preach, or sometimes I just leave it as a text. You know, you, you kind of work through it, and then you like, what kind of title do I put to this? Ah, uh, who cares, you know, you just go for it. Um, but, but this time, uh, in these five verses, the title that I have uh, for this sermon is, What Are You Rejoicing In? What are you rejoicing in? So, I don't know if you do this or not, but why don't you look to your neighbor and touch them and tell them, what are you rejoicing in? Why don't you look to your neighbor to the left or to the right, make sure they're not falling asleep, and ask them, what are you rejoicing in? All right, this was not a permission to talk, this was just to ask the question, (laughs) what are you rejoicing in? So so last year my wife was uh was was at work and and uh she received a bonus from her job around the same time that I don't know how this is going to you know uh I don't know how your perception will be of us when I tell you this but but she got a bonus at the same time that the Adele tickets went on sale So after an hour, okay, after an hour of humming, rolling in the deep and trying to figure out how to buy these tickets because the thing kept, uh, you know, kicking us out and and we could not find the right seats and there were some that were... You know, selling for $1,000, no way. So, what do we do? And this is what we do when you get a bonus. You buy Adele tickets, right? You buy tickets that you will not go to the concert until one year from now, okay? That's, that's what you do. And it's, it's been like nine months since we bought them, but we are sure. We are certain that there is a sense of peace in us that when November comes around and her birthday and my birthday is in November, when November comes around, we get to, you know, dress nice, go to the Toyota. Center and get entrance and access into this concert. It doesn't matter the length of time that we wait. It doesn't matter the amount of... Uh, of, of did, did you see what Adele tweeted? Did you see what she is on about? Did you see her concert? It doesn't matter all that anxiety that we go through, but we know that we will get there, and we will sing, right? <laughs> And there is a joy. There's a joy about that. And today we have, and every day we have as Christians, something greater than a confidence and an access to a concert. We know that we can endure anything that comes our way because we are confident in Christ and what he has done. This is joy. In this we rejoice. What are you rejoicing in? What the Holy Spirit is letting the Christians know in these five verses is that there is a present and a future to rejoice over. And, and, and what this text tells us is that if you're not a Christian, there can be a rejoicing over about your present and your future. And this morning, I want to encourage you, church, to stand firm on the grace of justification who is Christ, who gives us the strength to rejoice in our sufferings today and gives us the strength to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. It is the grace of justification that lets us rejoice in our sufferings now as well as in the hope of the glory of God. So so, so that you know, so that you know where we are going, so that you can come with me today, I want to point you to a few things. The first one is stand on the grace of justification. The second one is rejoice in the hope of God's glory. And the third one is rejoice in the present suffering stand on the grace of justification, rejoice in the hope of God's glory, and rejoice in the present suffering. And the text starts in verse 1 by saying, therefore, therefore, since we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The first thing that comes to our minds when we read this text is a few things, but I want to focus on standing on the grace of justification. So let me set this up. Therefore, the first word there points to a thought that happened before this text, that that connects the next text that we are reading and concludes this idea. So to figure out the previous thought, we have to go to the previous paragraph. And this thought, in chapter 4, deals with the doctrine and the teaching of justification. And according to the theologian J.I. Packer, this is what justification is. Justification is a judicial act of God pardoning sinners, accepting them as just, and so putting permanently right their previously estranged relationship with Himself because our relationship with God has been strained and has been fractured by our disobedience to him and his commands, we need this justification. We need this pardon. Abraham, the Old Testament saint, the father of our faith, the Bible says that his faith was counted to him as righteousness. His faith was counted to him as righteousness. And the Apostle Paul turns to his readers and he says, but the words it was counted to him was not only for his sake alone. He says, but for ours also. What confidence there, huh? for ours also it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification sojourners I'm going to love saying that we when we believe that Christ died and when we believe that he was raised from the dead when we believe that he accepted us sinners as just because of christ's work on the cross because of his work that he did and because of his resurrection this justification counts for us too we are justified in his sight and 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 this is the context of our text today so so with this i want to repeat and say this morning i want to encourage you to stand firm on the grace of our justification. Who is Christ who gives us the strength to suffer in in our present sufferings and suffer in our present, uh, rejoice in our present sufferings and rejoice in the glory of God. And now that we understand this context, now that we understand what this justification means, it is when we believe that we receive his pardon, we have to understand that this all happens because of our Lord Jesus Christ. This all happens because of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me sidetrack a moment and let you know of two benefits of this justification. The first one is peace with God, and the second one is access to God. Being able to have peace with God lets us know that there is a possibility out there that maybe there is no peace at one point. And without peace, there is strife. There is alienation, there is is distrust, there is condemnation. This is where you and I were. The Bible tells us that we were enemies of God. The Bible tells us that we were strangers to him. The Bible says that we were children of wrath. And there is a longing in each and every one of us for peace. Peace. You can see it in the news every day. Headlines that make you shake your head and say it should not be like this. In our world, in, in our country, in, in our state, in our city, in our homes, it shouldn't be this way. Economic injustice, racial injustice, the immigrant crisis, shootings, killings, stabbings in our city, it shouldn't be this way. There is a desire for peace, and this stems from a deeper desire in us that sin, which is our disobedience to God, has fractured. Because it wasn't this way in the beginning. In in the beginning, God created a world where there was no strife, there was no alienation, there was no destruction. and Not not only was there an absence of conflict, but there was a fulfillment of, of his glory throughout the earth. Not only was there the absence of of these bad things, but there were positive things and there was a relationship that we had with him. But sin, sin from, from man's disobedience, from man's rebellion against God's ways, from us insulting his ways came in and thanks be to God that God sent his Son for us to be set right with him again. And he sent his only son to take the punishment of our sin and our belief of him, in him, we were justified and that brought us close with him. It brought peace. It brought access. This means that you and I can have a relationship with God We don't have to tiptoe around him anymore, and we don't have to whisper in fear around him anymore because we have peace that brings access. Peace and access. These two benefits of justification. The Bible says, through him, we have also obtained access by faith. We have come near to him because he has come near to us. We have come close to him because he has come close to us. We have access. We have entrance into his presence. But remember, this is not of your own doing. Before we forget that, we must remember what John Murray, a respected systematic theologian, writes, even in our drawing nigh to God with confidence, we are dependent upon Christ's mediation. In other words, it is because Jesus Christ decided to come between us and God. mediation that we have access and peace to him. It is through Jesus that we have come to have access, and this access is an abiding privilege resultant upon the action which justification involves. It is only through Jesus, before we forget, y'all, it is only through Jesus that we have access. Peace with God and access to God. Jesus coming between God And us makes this possible. And this only happens because we have been justified by faith in Christ. This grace of justification. And from the beginning, I want to let you know of these benefits because now we can stand on this grace. We can stand firmly and say, it wasn't me doing this. It was God himself sending his son Standing between me and God, justifying us. So let's recap. Let's recap. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we, what, stand. Since we have peace. Since we have access, we are called to stand, stand on this grace. And, and with this, you know, with this, we could go wrong. And we could say, Yeah, we're standing on the peace of God, or yeah, we're standing on the access to God. Let me let me tell you, we don't stand on those things, we stand on Christ. We stand on justification, on the act that God made us righteous. Into this grace we stand. This grace, this grace of justification, the grace of God pardoning us as sinners. This grace is Christ doing the work for us to make us right with God. This is the grace that you and I can have confidence today when we leave and say, I'm standing on the grace of justification. Stand on the fact that you have been justified. Stand on this belief when it gets crazy on Wednesday and on Thursday. Our only justification is Christ. Our only degree that matters is Jesus. Our only accomplishment in this world, the only thing that we can boast in is Jesus Christ. So what do we do? What do we do when we stand? What do we do when we stand? We rejoice in the hope of God's glory. After standing on this grace, the second thing that we should do is to rejoice in the glory of God. See, the last part of verse 2 reads, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. God's glory, y'all, is the goal. That is the aim. So let me ask you, what is God's glory? What is God's glory? The glory of God is the purpose we should live for today and forever. The Westminster Catechism, this historical document, asks the question, what is the chief end of man? And it answers it by saying, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. This is what you and I were created for. To glorify God, to enjoy God, to delight in God, to worship Him. This is something that you and I have access to. We are certain that our goal, our aim, our purpose is to glorify God. But at the same time, we must understand that the glory of God is something that we fall short of. A few chapters before chapter 5, the Apostle Paul Tells the Christians that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In this life, you and I know this reality. We fall short of the glory of God. When we should honor our husbands and wives, we fall short. When, 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 when we should love our neighbors, but we sometimes don't, the wholeness, the completeness of, of all that God is, the glory of God is kept out of our reach because we fall short of it with our actions. So, so not only are we called to enjoy God forever and glorify God, not only do we know that we cannot reach it, but at the same time, we know that the glory of God has a future sense. Has a future sense. So Titus 2. Titus 2.13 reads that we are waiting, someone say waiting, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is God's glory. The future appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, is part of his glory. We are waiting for that. We are waiting to see this occur. We are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 4 reads, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is another part of God's glory. It involves you and I, that you also will appear in glory with Christ. What joy that should bring us today, the thought that you and I, you and I, really me and you, yes, you and I will appear with him in full glory. This should make us respond to him in worship and adoration. We not only wait for God's glory, we not only will be with him and share with that in in with that glory but Romans 8:21 reads creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Check out God's glory being highlighted here. When Christ appears, when we appear with him, the text says, when God transforms the world and sets it free from sin, then the fullness of his glory will be displayed. And and this is why we rejoice. This is why we long for that day. Doesn't this bring you hope? Doesn't this bring you something to rejoice over and look forward to? These verses have brought out a few things about God's glory. God's glory is our aim and purpose. We fall short of God's glory. But we know that God's glory has a future sense to it. So... What do we do with this? What do we do with these treasures? What do we do with these great truths that are found in Scripture? What do we do with this, y'all? The Apostle Paul entreats us to rejoice. To rejoice in this hope. To rejoice in the hope of God's glory. He encourages us to exalt, to glory in, to be joyful about in the confidence that is God's glory. And you know, many of us will probably have a difficult time rejoicing in this hope because it probably has been a while since we last imagined since we last pondered and thought about, since we last reflected and got caught in the wonder of what the glory of God is. This is why it is so important to come to gatherings every Sunday. For me, it's a blessing because I get to sing and I get to be reminded of the glory of God. But when we see that our goal is to glorify God forever, when we see that God's glory is unattainable for us as human beings apart from the grace of God, when when we find out that there is a future glory that awaits us, we can pray for the earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. So what do we do? We rejoice. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The third thing. The third thing, after standing on the grace of justification, after, after rejoicing in the hope of God's glory, the third thing that we do <clears throat> is we rejoice in the present suffering that we are going through. Now, look at verse 3. Read uh, verse 3 of chapter 5. More than that, not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. So, let's unpack this. Because I'm okay with rejoicing over what's to come. But to rejoice over what I'm going through right now, that's the hard part. One thing that we have to understand is that the Christian experience is one that expects suffering. This kind, this type of suffering is a sense of, a sense of persecution because you are sharing the good news or proclaiming the gospel to your friends. This is the kind of suffering that Jesus knew that his followers would have, so he encouraged them while he was on this earth, and he told his disciples, In the world, you will have tribulation. You will go through suffering, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus was telling them that in this world, they would suffer. And likewise, Paul is telling us to rejoice in our own suffering. See, what we have to understand is where Paul is writing from. Paul is in prison at this time, writing to a church, saying, Rejoice in your own sufferings but 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 also this kind of suffering this type of suffering is connected to endurance and to character and to patience so so suffering is not only when we share the gospel but anything that would cause you to endure for Christ or anything that would cause you to have a godly character as you go through suffering you can also rejoice when you are seeing the dream of buying a home slipping through your fingers. It's been a year, two years, three years, four years. When you are seeing no progress in your life and you are 30, 35, 40, and you're saying, what is going on? When, when you get the bad news from the doctor, when you're swimming in death and you don't know how you're going to get out of this, when unexpected costs come into your life, anything that causes you to grow in christ anything that causes you to have endurance and build character rejoice in your sufferings rejoice in your sufferings because it may be easier to look to the future and wait on the god on the glory of god and rejoice in that and it may be easier for us to say you know what i cannot wait I cannot wait for the redemption of all things, but what about now? What about today? Mid, mid-year 2016, how fast the year is going, and you're thinking, I, "I don't know. I don't know where time went. What's your attitude to? the isolation that you feel from a group of friends because you just want to love on them and share God's love to them? What's your attitude to the alienation that you sense from someone in your life because you know that you see them going through through troubles and you're there to help them, but they kind of don't want your help and you love them? What is your attitude to that? How do you respond to the blank stares and the furrowed brows uh, that you get from people at work when you mention your faith in Jesus? How do you take the bad news about a setback in your life, about a family member who struggles? How do you take another no from God? (laughs) You, You don't understand, so you... You get to the place, I don't know if you've been there, but I've been there, where you get to the place where all you can do is just go to the bedroom, get on your knees, and say, why? (laughs) Why? I don't understand. In your suffering, how do you see God? Do you see him as a bad God? Do you see him as a a father who does not want to give you because you probably have a sense of condemnation and guilt in you? How do you see? How can I be? How can it be that I can suffer for so long and no answer come? How? I'm not saying to avoid your feelings and to and to, 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 to not grieve, no, let's, let's learn how to grieve and grieve well. What I mean is, do you submit these thoughts and feelings to the lordship of Jesus? Do you, do you stand on the grace of justification and say, it is so hard for me today, but I'm going to stand and rejoice in my sufferings today? Why? Why is it that we don't cower and duck Because of the hostility of the world. Why is it that we submit ourselves to Jesus' lordship? Why is it? It is because as we rejoice in our sufferings, a few things happen. Endurance is built in our lives. The text is clear. As we endure, this endurance brings character. It brings a spiritual maturity. And that character makes us look at our difficult circumstances with what? With hope. Oh, may we be a church full of hope because we have character, because we have endured, because we have rejoiced in our sufferings. I don't know if you caught it, but suffering is the starting point that takes us to the finish, which is our hope. As we, as we rejoice in our sufferings, endurance and patience comes. A steadfast character comes. And now we can hope for real now. The rejoicing in the present is linked to the rejoicing in the future. But we know that only Christ, our justification, can help us rejoice. Because the last thing that I want you to hear from me today is go out and rejoice. Go out and, you know, rejoice. However that looks like for you. So this is why we have to see an example, and we see it in our own Jesus. The author of Hebrews writes that for the joy, for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross, he despised the shame. And now he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This Jesus that we adore, this Jesus that, that we worship, found, found, he found a joy in his suffering see, God's plan was for him to suffer a death that he did not deserve to die so that justification could be brought to his creation. So, so much was this suffering that while in the garden of Gethsemane, he is praying to the Father and saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. This is suffering. This is the suffering that our Savior experienced in agony, he struggled with this suffering. So, how does this reconcile with joy? Because, in the same breath, he writes, he says, Jesus says, He says, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. See, I struggle. I'm going through it. Nevertheless, same breath. <laughs> oh, may we get there, y'all. Nevertheless, your will, not my will be done. The author of Hebrews writes that there is a joy mixed in there. There is a joy in front of Jesus to fulfill God's plan that he endured the suffering and later is finding himself seated at the right hand of God. So, What we must understand this morning is that the sufferings of this present world pushes us to a patience that we don't have yet. The sufferings of this present world as we rejoice in them pushes us to a steadfastness in our character, to a spiritual maturity, to a hope, to a sure hope. Rejoicing brings endurance. Rejoicing brings character. Rejoicing brings hope. The last thing that I want to leave you with today is there is a certainty of a sure hope. There is a certainty, that's probably redundant, right? There is a certainty to our hope. Paul writes in verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame. What confidence, what security is found in these words. This hope does not put us to shame. This hope is something that I could boast and This hope is something that I could rejoice in. This hope is something that I could glory in. There is no disappointment in this hope. There is no embarrassment in this hope. I am confident that when I go to the Toyota Center, they're going to allow me in, right? I'm confident that I'm not going to be turned away. There is a surety. There is a certainty in that hope. How much more? Because of Christ's work on the cross and his resurrection, how much more hope, how much more certainty there is. This hope does not disappoint y'all. This hope does not embarrass you. Why? The text finishes off by saying, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love is why. Why is there certainty in our hope today? Because God's love was mediated, was brought by, in other words, by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. This certainty of hope cannot get any clearer than this. Do you see the layers in verse 5? God's love poured out, gushed out in abundance by the Holy Spirit. There's a few layers there, and it cannot get any more reassuring than this. Picture God's love. Picture it being poured out. And on top of that, picture it being brought by the Holy Spirit. Layers and layers after of reassuring. And a few verses down in verse 8, which we will preach on next week, the Bible says, but God shows his love for us that, you know, while we were yet still sinners, Christ what died for us. This love of God that does not emanate from you and I. It comes from God to us. This love of God who is Jesus Christ is brought to our attention by the Holy Spirit. Certainly there is no shame in this hope. The layers of confidence we see in this verse reassures us. A la- two years ago, uh, I bought my wife this... Um, thing to make cakes. Someone help me. What's the word for that? Uh, kitchen maid. What is it called? Uh, a kitchen aid. There you go. Yeah. I made a mistake. I went to a store, bought it. She told, she asked me, how much did you spend on this? And she then took me to, what was it? Costco. <laughs> and, 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 and I had to return it, I remember now. <laughs> and we got it for a few hundred dollars cheaper. So I didn't know, right? She just wanted it. So I went and got it. So she started to bake cakes, right? And she started to do cakes, and for our Sabbath on Fridays, she would bake a cake, and uh, we'd have leftover cake all the time. But I love it when my wife bakes a cake. I love it when she bakes a chocolate fudge cake, (laughs) especially. Because you can't get enough of the sweetness on this cake, because after you finish the icing on the top of this cake, you find out that there is more chocolate icing inside of the cake. <laughs> much, much greater is our certainty in this hope that we have in Jesus. <laughs> after the first bite of recognizing God's love, you continue to chew and you say, man, it has been poured out in abundance. Right? And after chewing on that for a few more minutes, you find out that, yes, the Holy Spirit was the one that brought us this hope that we have in Jesus. What certainty? There's layers of it in verse 5. So the question is, what are we rejoicing in? In what are you rejoicing in today that has the possibility to, to disappoint you? In, in other words, will what you rejoice over today shame you tomorrow at work? What is it that you are clinging to today? What is it that you're holding on to? Is, 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 it, is it your uh, career? promotion that you are vying for but seem not to get? Is it your perfect Pinterest home? Is is it your children activities on Saturday? Do you live for the weekend? Is it your education? Is it what's going to happen in November 4th this year? What is it that you are clinging on to? What is it? Is it your political views? Is, what, what is it that you, that you are holding on to? Because sooner or later, these things that I just mentioned will disappoint you. <laughs> these things that I just men- mentioned will, will shame you. But there is a hope, y'all. There is a certain hope. There is something that you and I can cling to today that will never embarrass, that will never disappoint. And it is in that that we rejoice. It is in Jesus that we rejoice. We stand on Jesus. As we stand on who Jesus is and what he has done, he gives us the strength to rejoice in our sufferings. It is, it is in Jesus that we hope in. It is in Jesus that we cling to, that we hold on to, That that is our hope. So, what are you rejoicing in this morning? Jesus gives us the strength to rejoice. In our sufferings. I want to encourage you to stand firm on the grace of our justification, who is Jesus, so that we can have the strength to rejoice in our present sufferings and to rejoice in the hope of God's glory. In your sufferings, y'all, cling to Jesus. In your sufferings and in your times where you think you can't make it, hold on to Jesus. He is the only one that will give you the strength to rejoice in your sufferings. May we rejoice in our present sufferings. May we look to the future and rejoice in the hope of God's glory because we are holding on to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we have uh, worshipped you in song and we have worshipped you with your preached Word that you have given us today. God, we thank you for the grace that we have in Jesus. We thank you that we can stand on it, this love that you have for us. We thank you that as we stand on this grace, we can rejoice. Rejoice in the circumstances that we are going through right now. Rejoice in the uh, shallow water that we feel beneath our feet. Rejoice in the earthquakes that are happening in our lives right now because of Jesus. And because of Jesus as well, we can rejoice in, in the future hope. That you will reign, that you are reigning, that we will reign with you forever. So today, God, help us cling and hold on to you, Jesus, so that we can rejoice in our sufferings. Amen.